Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom, shakalaka. Wanted to come with it, done it, we got her with punishment Youngest is confident, but can't handle what we coming with Others in love with the drug and this family is running it Long as the public is coming, then we keep them loving it What's going on everybody? Happy Thursday night and welcome to this week's edition of The Bench Mob here on the 48 Minutes Basketball Network as we are in draft swing of things. I know the conference finals are obviously going on, but we're looking ahead because, you know, it feels like those two series might already be decided. We'll see how things go tonight in that Golden State-Dallas game. So maybe I'm getting too far ahead. I guess we'll find out. Uh, I'm Tim Daniel. Excited to be here as always. We are without Sean and Josh tonight as Sean once again acknowledging that he has more PTO than the president. Um the most, but, hey, the most interesting, the most interesting man in the world, traveling yeah. everywhere. He's in Nashville this week, so yeah, and I'll be in Nashville next month. So we're like, you know, it's always something. Uh, mm-hmm. But joining us as always, my good friend and hopefully yours, Mister Ben Brown. How are you, buddy? Buddy, I'm wonderful. Uh, excited for our guest this evening, and uh, it, it's cool to start to get into, uh, start to t- touch on this draft stuff and see where guys are going to fall and, and who's going to help who. So it, it's kind of exciting to see, especially starting off with one of the more fun, uh, more than one more fun rosters uh, with the Orlando Magic as far as young young talent that they have down there and, and things that they can do. So excited to hear uh, what Philip has to say. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go ahead and bring in our guest. You can check him out daily on the Locked On Magic podcast, also part of OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Coming back to the show, Philip. I don't know if you remember that you were on the show like a few well, while well back. Up. Yeah, many moons ago. <laughs> yeah, I think we were talking about. Gosh, who was on the team at that point? Ooh, probably playoff. But way back, yeah. way back in the before times. Yeah, it was it was a <laughs> while ago. But uh, Mr. Philip Rossenreich joining us again. I'm sorry it's taken so long to have you back. It won't be this long again, I promise. Um, but when I saw the Magic won the lottery and I came, and our co-host and I came on the show last week rocking our blue Shaq and black Penny Hardaway jerseys, we just had to, I knew I just had to reach out to you and bring you back on. So welcome back to the show, man. It's it's good to be back. It's it's good to be sitting in this really fun fun spot in the draft. Uh, it's it's been a while since the Magic have had any lottery luck. It's it's one of the, uh, honestly one of the reasons this rebuild has seemingly taken forever. I mean, not the only reason, obviously, but um, it's it's a really really interesting and exciting time to be be following this Magic team. And like you said, really fun young roster. We'll see where it goes next. And obviously, this this pick is a big one for them. Yeah, absolutely. Before we do get into conversations about the Orlando Magic, if you are checking us out live here on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, anywhere, this is our website here. You can check out to get our merch at 48minutesbasketballnetwork.merchmake.com. T-shirts, hoodies, joggers, every sweatshirts, you name it, we got it there. Uh, please support the brand if you have the cash to do so. We definitely greatly appreciate it. Uh, but Philip, I want to go ahead here because we are obviously in the swing of things. And like we've said multiple times now, the Orlando Magic won the lottery last week. If you listened to our episode last week, I played the classic Orlando Magic theme song. And once Dude, that was episode, beautiful. The best was song so ever beautiful. written. <laughs> Shout out to Kevin Clark for, for making sure that thing got, got life again. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, you, you joked about it before we came on here. Uh, the who the Magic will be taking at number one has kind of moved around a lot. Um really kind of seems to be down to two names and obviously like you said like with a young roster kind of this is kind of the idea of making the right decision um but i feel like history kind of says that if you're the orlando magic and you have the number one pick why not just take a big man right i feel like that's that's what's worked out the, the two pre, the two or three previous times right yeah yeah i mean you think you think so but of course this is a, a very different nba where you know yes right. nikola Jokic and joel Embiid finished one and two in the mvp voting but Big men kind of don't win in the league anymore. Um, it is, you know, again, Nicole, plenty of reasons why Denver's not in the play, not still playing. Plenty of reasons Philadelphia got eliminated as early as they did. But um, big men kind of just aren't it in the league anymore. So, you know, you're looking at a young Magic team. There are some really good young players, but they don't have that one guy that they can really build around. And so, you know, I, I really think like every door is open. I mean, again, I'm not against taking Chet Holmgren. I think Chet Holmgren's really, really good. 
He's a really, really special player, a really, really unique talent and skill set. Um, I, 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 I'm trying to tell Magic fans, you know, don't be upset if your guy doesn't get taken. There are three good options, and, and I really don't feel like there, there's a bad there's a bad choice. And obviously, said it, it seems like it's coming down to Jabari Smith Jr. or Chet Holmgren at this early stage. I'll still give some love to Paolo Bancaro in, in in that group too, but um, it's 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 really going to be interesting to see what the Magic do with this pick because really this sets what their roster is going to be for the next five years and, and the kind of team that they want to build. And so they have to be very, very sure about what kind of team they want to build and then figure out how to make these young guys fit around the player that they're ultimately going to draft. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, and you brought up a good point. Uh, the league has changed, um, you know, from the Shaq Ewing, Olajuwon era. It's changed a lot. And, and a lot of the successful teams – have been built on wings. So, um, you know, as you're looking at it here, um, I, th I think that when you're trying to build a team and a franchise, I think most people are looking at building around wings. Um, I, I think Jabari Smith is, is a good fit for you all. I, I like Chet Holmgren. I really do. Uh, but I think Smith is a really good fit for the guards that you have um, and some of the athletic bigs that you guys have as well. Yeah, I mean, there's there. I mean, you look at the Magic last year; they finished, I think, 29th in the league in three-point field goal percentage. I think they finished in the top half of the league in three-point field goal percentage, maybe one, at least once, maybe only twice since uh, Dwight Howard left in 2012. Someone can double-check the stats. It's it's not. It's been 10 years since Dwight Howard left. The Magic have not been a top half of the league offense, except for maybe once or twice. Top half of the league in three-point field goal percentage, maybe once. I'm pretty sure it was just once, maybe twice. They, they desperately need some outside shooting. They desperately need some guys who can create a little bit of offense and create a little space. Now, you know, I, I think Jabari Smith is as good of a prospect as there is. He's he's really young. Um, he's already a great three-point shooter. He's got the defensive length and defensive in instincts that, that this team has historically really liked in their draft picks. Um, I, I think, I, I mean, there's a reason he's been number one on most people's draft boards for most of the season. Uh, I don't think that's that, that there's any reason to dispel that notion. The big question with him is, can he be a number one guy? Can you give him the ball and, and have him get a basket? And that's something that is going to have to develop. Obviously, the kid's 18, 19 years old. You know, you're not coming out fully formed. And so the question is, what what is his ceiling? I, I've taken in my podcast to comparing Jabari Smith to Rashard Lewis. He's got Seattle mm -hmm. Rashard Lewis athleticism with Orlando Rashard Lewis shooting in defense. And, and that's a really, really good player. That's an all-star yeah. player. The question is, is that a number one superstar player. Um, you know, maybe that's not what you're looking for in this draft. You just want to take the best player available. And again, that's a really good player. But I, 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 I always kind of fall back to, well, the magic, what they really need is that one guy they can really build around. And, and you know, maybe he's already on the roster. Maybe it's Marco Fultz. Maybe it's Franz Wagner. It could still even be Jalen Suggs. It could still even be Jonathan Isaac, to be perfectly honest. Um, there's a lot of question marks about how this roster ultimately comes together. So like you said, the idea now is get the best piece that you can, get the best player that you can. And obviously, if you can get a player of the quality that Jabari Smith seems to be, to me, he's got he's the lowest risk of these of these top three. Um, he's got a really high ceiling too. I'm not saying that he doesn't have a high ceiling and he's not going to get better and can grow into something more. But to me, he's at the very least, he's a three and D wing and a very high level three and D wing at that. Yeah, I, I love Jabari. I mean, I, I really like Chet too. And I think really, I know the interesting dynamic a lot of people bring up is obviously the Chet Jalen Suggs history. Um, it's just kind of like a really unique dynamic as far as, uh, you know, Chet went to Gonzaga because of Jalen. Obviously, it wasn't because they were going to play together, but had a good relationship with him. Um, uh, it's not just it's not just that, you know, the deeper history of them. No, no, to explain. They went to the same high school. That's right. And they yeah, went yeah. to they played in the same AAU team. Like they are very close friends. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's kind of a fun dynamic to it too. Kind of like the Joe Burrow Jamar Chase and uh, of that sport would be kind of fun. So I mm -hmm. do like that idea. Um, you talked about you know if you draft Chet Holmgren, you're not in a bad spot. And I think you know you talk about this as a guy who is a good rim protector, can also shoot a three, seven foot one. Um, obviously there's a lot to like, and you know, there's a lot of like, he's going to have to get stronger and you can tell that just by looking at him. Um, he looks at times like he's seven, one, 140 pounds, but also there's some, he is. yeah, right. It's, it's not, far <laughs> off. It's not far off. Um, 
but as a really skilled player, I mean, may, you know, you can make a case, obviously, as far as like maybe one of the more skilled guys in this draft. Um, let's say they do go the route of Chet Holmgren here. What kind of dynamic does he give them, especially having a guy like Wendell Carter on the roster? Yeah. So, uh, you know, my, like my conspiracy theory for this, for the year, um, as the year went on is that the magic played Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba together this entire season as sort of a proof of concept that it could work with Chet. Um, there's, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of people who make the easy comparison. Oh, Chet Holmgren is another Mo Bamba. He's another three point shooting kind of slender, big who protects the rim. Um, they're very similar players in that way. And so, you know, I, I think the magic, I don't think the magic did everything intentionally with this in mind, but because Mo Bamba was probably one of their better players this past season, he had a, he had a good season. He had a career season. So I don't want to take anything away from, from Mo. Um, and, and Wendell, Wendell Carter, I think really benefited from playing a lot of power forward and seeing a lot of smaller, smaller players on him as well. Um, but Chet Holmgren's a little bit of a different animal. Um, you know, Mo, like Mo Bamba, little bit of a slow mover. Um, you know, I, I, a lot of people kind of describe that as having a low motor. I never really saw it as him having a low motor. It was more of a processing speed and just kind of general athleticism. And again, some injuries maybe took away from that a little bit. Chet, the Chet Holmgren moves like an athlete. Um, you know, we talk about his weight and every, every rookie needs to put on muscle. Every rookie enters a league needing to put on weight, getting into an NBA strength and conditioning program changes lives. It, It it's, it's a completely different animal uh, from what they've been doing uh, in college and before. So Chad Holmgren's going to get stronger. That's that's not the issue. What really kind of st- stands out to me and where I really differentiate him from Obama is not just that the fluidity of his movement uh, and his ability to process and make plays. Chad Holmgren is not afraid to take a hit. He might get bumped off his spot. He might get ducked under the rim, but he's going to stand there and take a hit. And, and honestly, he may not even be able to move the guy he's trying to hit he will hit back. Um, and to me, you know, again, I don't want to throw Mo Bamba completely under the bus here. Mo Bamba is not a, does not like contact. He always kind of popped the three-point line. You rarely saw him dive to the rim. You rarely saw him try and set up post-ups. He just, he wasn't doing any of that. Not that post-ups are, you know, super involved in the league league right now. Um, but he wasn't trying to get in the paint. He wasn't really about that unless there's a clear run to it. Chet Holmgren is not going to be afraid to do any of that. And, and that's a big differentiator. So, as he adds strength, he's going to find his ways to score. Um, he can all, you know, if he can keep the ball handling, if he can keep that fluidity, if he can avoid the kind of injuries that maybe Christoph Porzingis had, which is probably the best player comp that we have for Chet. Um, if he can avoid some of those injuries, which again is a fair concern for someone that's that long limbed, um, you know, humans are not meant to move that athletically at that height and size. Um, it, 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 he can be, a, he's going to be a really impactful player. He's a really smart shot blocker. He's really good at diagnosing plays and playing defense and kind of keeping guys in front of him and using his length. Um, again, a lot of it's just going to be about picking up the speed of the game, picking up some strength to take some of those bumps a little bit better. And, you know, he's going to be a really impactful player in this league for a long time. And just kind of, kind of part of this new wave of centers that can just do everything. And of course, you know, there's the guy, Victor Wembanyama coming next year as well. who's very, very similar of a prospect to Chet Holmgren. So, there's another big on the roster here that if people can somehow read this very extremely small graphic that I put up together um, that I'm curious about. And that's the fact that the Orlando Magic took a flyer on one bowl bowl. Now, obviously it was out for the season. Uh, there was a the whole weird thing where you got traded to the Celtics and it fell through. Uh, so Orlando went ahead and took on, you know, the contract. Is there any bull bull future with Orlando is at all? Like, is there anything? I mean, they had to acquire him for a reason. Um, right. You know, they, they didn't give up very much to get him. I think they traded a top 55 protected second round pick to get him and some cash. Um, there's a reason. A times. They, they, yeah, they, they essentially took him on to help Boston get under the luxury tax. Um, there has, like, I am still scratching my head trying to find a reason why the Magic did did that move. I still don't quite understand it, unless they do want to keep Bull Bull around and, you know, have him around just to see what he see what's he, what he's about. We know Jeff Waltman, and John Hammond are big time lovers of guys who have length and versatility. I am I am really skeptical that the Magic bring Bull Bull back. Um, I am really skeptical that they're going to make a contract offer to him. I, I've made this point several times that. Um, this magic roster is already pretty full. Um, you know, you look at, you, you know, even let's, let's, let's even take this draft pick in. You've got Wendell Carter at center. 
You've got this draft pick. You've got you know, the center is a little bit, a sh- little bit short right now. Wendell Carter, Mo Wagner are the only two centers under contract right now. But among big fours, you know, kind of three fours, you got Franz Wagner, Jonathan Isaac, Chumo Kiki, and assumedly this draft pick. That's four guys already that would essentially play the position that Bull Bull is playing. I think the Magic want to play Chumo Kiki. They're gonna play Jonathan Isaac if he's healthy enough to play. Um, you know, Franz Wagner is obviously going to probably be starting. It's not much simpler in the in the backcourt either with Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz. Jalen Suggs, RJ Hampton, you know, Terrence Ross is still hanging around. They may try and trade him and they still got to add some guys to the roster. So I've already named 11 players, including the Magic's first round pick. They've got two second round picks as well. They're going to add some guys in free agency because they have a ton of money to spend. Um, it, it's to me, if it's, if it, it, I find it really difficult to believe that they'll bring Bull Bull back because they just simply don't have the room to play him at this point, unless it's, you know, hey, we're going to bring you back on a minimum contract, maybe even, I don't think they'd do a two-way deal. I don't think he'd take a two-way deal, but maybe even a two-way deal just to keep you around, see what see what you have. But it's really just kind of a fishing expedition at that point. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I know we're talking draft picks and, and things like that, but you also mentioned free agency because they have a ton of money to spend. Uh, are there any names being floated around as far as who they're looking at, they have an eye on, or, or possibly filling some voids as far as uh, uh, for their roster for next year? Yeah, it, it's it's not particularly clear. I mean, obviously, this is not a particularly strong free agent class. Um, the Magic do have, or I, I believe they do have max cap room where they can get to max cap room pretty easily. Um, so, you know, I've, I, I personally floated the idea of maybe making a run at Zach Levine. Um, I don't think Zach... I don't think Zach. Yeah. Tim, Tim's face is completely changed. <laughs> we, we already gave you Wendell Carter. That's enough. And, and, and part of it, and part of it is to make sure the Bulls give that pick up next year. Um, but right. uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't think Zach Levine's looking to come to a rebuild. I don't think he's looking to be part of a, a team that's at the stage Orlando is. Um, Jeff Weltman has already kind of said, you know, we're gonna look for ways. We're gonna look for ways to get better, but you know, we're not going to kind of push all our chips into the middle of the table yet. They know they're super young. They got all these young guys they want to develop. So to me, they're probably looking for, for veteran guys who can help this team kind of move along. Um, the way I think they'll end up using this cap room is it because there are no free agents. I think the trade market's going to be super active. I think the magic will ultimately be, um, will ultimately be uh, uh, facilitators and trades. So use that cap room to absorb contracts, maybe grab a few extra picks um, you know, maybe grab a, a young, another young player that, that isn't being played somewhere or a veteran player that's a, maybe a little bit overpaid, but they want it, but they just want to bring him in just to have some veteran presence. Um, I think, I think there's a really good chance Orlando tries to resign Gary Harris. Um, the Magic have been really kind of inventive with some of their contracts. Um, they've done really well to front load their contracts. If you, uh, I, I don't know if you, I don't know which slide you have for the, for the contracts there, but you notice when, uh, went for, for next season, Wendell Carter, um, is paid, I think, $13.1 million. His contract is completely front-loaded. So his contract's de- decline in value over the course of, of that four-year extension that he signed last season. Um, it would not surprise me if the Magic say, hey, we will like significantly overpay to keep Gary Harris just to have the number uh, of that contract around. So in two years, let's say, when the Magic are ready to, to compete again, they can they can move that contract. They'll have some money to move around to try and add a significant player to their roster. That's, that's really where I think the magic need to strategize and be be strategic with how they use this cap room is find guys that can help you a little bit today, but kind of keep them in reserve because you're probably going to be making or you're hoping that you'll be making a major trade to kind of add to this group and kind of help them get over the top and maybe, maybe two years, maybe a year. So it's about kind of establishing the trade trips that you, that you want to, to kind of move forward. And I think that's really what the plan is this off season to start kind of aligning your contracts, aligning, the salaries where you want. So you'll be nimble enough to make those kinds of moves if the te- if and when this team is ready. You mentioned a few different names in that process. Um, yeah, I really like the idea of bringing back Gary Harris. I thought he played really well for them. He had really I mean, good year. Yeah, shot 38% from three. Um, you know, I th- actually in the two seasons he's been a Magic, he has somehow managed to play 81 games. So he has played a full season as a Magic in context, just, you know, COVID and injuries and all that weird stuff kind of plays in the play. Um, Markel Fultz is obviously a really unique, very unique situation. I shouldn't say, uh, obviously, um, you know, he's battled injuries since he's been a member of the magic, but really has really shown this. I think he's the one thing he's shown real, really well in the NBA 
is his ability to be a, di- a perimeter defender. And I'm a big fan of Markels. I really want to see him play really well. Um, I loved him at Washington, obviously. Uh, I thought the, you know, the yips situation, as everyone says, with the Sixers is obviously very unique. But, you know, he goes there and, he found, you know, at times it looks like he's found like a second life. He obviously signed another contract with Orlando. What do you kind of see as far as like what Markel's future is with the team? Do you think he's a guy that as they move to this next stage, he's still there? Do you think he's one of those guys you kind of mentioned they might shop around as a trade chip? Um, you know, I, I think the Magic are, are invested in Markel Fultz right now. I, I don't think they'd actively trade him at this point. Um, you know, I think they, I think they okay. believe. I know. I would say this. I, I don't think first overall pick Markel Fultz is ever coming back. You, you nope. might see flashes of it here and there, but Markel Fultz's goal to me is is to be sort of like you know. Some people criticize me for this this comparison, but for me, he needs to have Ricky Rubio's career. Just be a really good distributor, defender, just game manager. He hits a hit a three on occasion. Be a, you know be hit enough threes to keep the defense honest, but understanding that that's not his game. And and Markel does play very very different from Rubio. He's a little bit more aggressive. He wants to get to his spots on the on the floor. He loves that elbow area. He can hit mid range jumpers off the dribble really well. He he does a really good job controlling the pace of games. You know he feel you know I know he's played only one full season in his entire career to this point. But he already feels like a veteran player. Like when he's on the floor, yeah. everything just like everything feels really, really calm. And and this is despite the magic playing at like a pace of I think it was like 104 possessions for 48 minutes when he's on the floor. Like he pushes the pace, but he's always in control. And you know, for a young team, especially having a point guard that can kind of manage chaos, I, I think is really, really valuable. The way he finished this season, you know, the magic did, I think, did a really good job making sure that when he came back he was ready to come back. Like he hit the ground running and it felt like he didn't miss a beat from where he finished, uh, where, where he was before the injury last, last year. Um, he really, you know, got to the basket with ease, was creative with his passing, you know, caught a lot of players by surprise with, with some of the passes he was able to throw. And, and, you know, I think it's really going to be interesting what happens this summer. And this is a big summer for him for a lot of reasons, but and a big season for him for a lot of reasons is this for everybody on this roster, but this will be the first fully health, the first fully healthy, full offseason he gets. Um, every other offseason, he's been dealing with some injury. Before his rookie year, he was dealing with the knee injury, and then the thoracic outlet syndrome came in. Um, he was dealing with, with TOS all through his time in Philadelphia. Comes to Orlando, he's still rehabbing, trying to get himself back. He gets that first full that first full season's cut short by COVID, so he's got you know that big delay. He was a little bit late getting into the bubble, never really found his rhythm in the bubble for, for this team. Um has a shortened offseason then, comes back, looks really good, plays six games, tears his ACL, spends the next 14 months recovering. This guy, you know, this guy has never really had a full offseason to get better. And so, you know, I think this is a big statement season for Markel Fultz. He's got, I believe it's a a non-guarantee or a team option on the third year of his contract. So this will be the second year of his contract coming up. So it's essentially a contract year for Markel Fultz. It's a big, big season for him to really prove where he belongs in this magic, uh, in this magic future. And I think it is very, very real that he could be the, the, the team's point guard of the future as, as they move forward. If he has a really good season. That's good. That, that's cool. Um, my question is about the other uh, point guard, Cole Anthony. Um, to me, he took a big step to a sophomore. He's one of my favorite players to watch. I, I um, to watch him, uh the play at the level he did this past year was really cool to see him grow from uh his first year to second so uh we've already mentioned Fultz. we've got Cole Anthony you you have other guards on that team where where is this all going to shake out as far as who's going to be where minutes clock like where is this all going to shake out cuz they they're they're guard heavy and they're big guy heavy so it's like, where, like trying <laughs> to find everywhere. minutes for Right. So trying to find minutes for all these guys and also grow a roster. So how, how is that going to look? Yeah, it's it's going to be open competition. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be open, open competition, but it's going to be a competition. Um, You know, Cole Anthony, it, you know, kind of got point guard by default the last two years because Mark, Markel Fultz was out. You know, right. Markel Fultz went down. I, th- I think the Magic wanted to bring him along slowly with a more experienced kind of play playoff expected team Um, his rookie year. Marco Fultz goes down with a knee injury. The Magic didn't replace DJ Augustine. And all of a sudden, Cole Anthony is a starting point guard. Um, you know, this year, Fultz is out. They're a young team. They like how Cole Anthony finished the season. 
they gave him the keys to the keys of the car. And, and he, like you said, he did a lot of really good things. Cole Anthony had a really, really good year. Obviously the next step for him is figuring out how do I score efficiently? How do I yeah. break down a defense, continue to keep others involved, find my scoring, find my spots, but do so efficiently and make better decisions. And obviously that's a continuing process for a lot of young guards, a lot, especially scoring guards. They learn efficiency as they go through the league, as they get experience. And so last year was really, really valuable. Um, at the end of the day, I think Cole Anthony's size, um, I think his penchant for scoring, uh, you know, his his passing is better, his defense is better, but they're still not fantastic. I think Cole Anthony's going to really settle in as the sixth man. The Magic are probably moving on from Terrence Ross. So they're going to rely on Cole Anthony to be kind of the creator and driving force of their second unit. A second unit that's probably going to involve have Jonathan Isaac for a good chunk of the season as he recovers from his injury and, and his prolonged absence from playing. So a big question for Cole Anthony is, can he become more efficient as a scorer? Because that's going to get him more minutes. That's going to get him more time. That's going to get him a bigger role. And will he accept being a sixth man? Will he accept coming off the bench and playing that role if that's what this team asks him to do? That's always difficult for any player to do it when you enter this league. I mean, all these guys are the best players on their teams for a good chunk of their lives. And all of a sudden mm -hmm. they're asked, hey, we want you to do this instead. Um, it's, it, it's, it's not, it, it's not an easy thing to ask these guys to do. And obviously that's, that's kind of going to be what, what the task is going to be for him. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to watch how he develops. Like you said, I, I thought he had a really good year too. Um, but there are a lot of questions that were raised by it. And again, he was kind of forced to be the number one guy on a really bad team. That's probably not his role moving forward. So how do we define a role that will help him succeed, but also help the team succeed as well? It's just so funny because that's exactly what happened to him in North Carolina too. Like that team was that was, he was like at North Carolina the one year that they were terrible, and it yeah. was like it was it was cold or nothing. Like that team was like yeah, no one else. Yeah. yeah, he had yeah. no one else. And then, and the injury. I mean, the, I mean, he. I think he even admitted this. He came back from his knee injury too quickly. Like he, yeah. he wanted to play oh, yeah. so bad for North Carolina. He didn't want to be perceived as this guy who was just going to North Carolina for the year that he had to before he went to the NBA. Like. Cole Anthony is all about his teammates. I have no doubt that, you know, he may not be happy that he's not playing, but he's going to be happy for his teammates. He's not going to be a problem for everyone else. He loves everybody on this team. He's, you know, he really feels like the heart of this team in a lot of ways because he just hypes all of his guys up. So I take that as genuine. He was like that in North Carolina, almost to his detriment in a lot of ways. Um, and mm -hmm. so it's just about, okay, let's, let's find the right role to we can, so we can get the most out of you for the team as much as anyone else. And, and he's fully capable of starting if the magic need him to start too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned Jonathan Isaac and obviously this has been a very, I'm sure as a magic fan, irritating stretch of just will he or will he not be able to play? Um, so, you know, is there an update there? And also uh, when is the organization going to finally retire the number one and make sure no one wears it again? <laughs> <laughs> the, the number of the, the jersey retirement story deserves a whole pot a whole thing um and I, can, I can i can give you the cliff notes on it here um the magic have organizationally decided they're not retiring jerseys until they win a championship and um, the first jersey they retire will be the guy that won them a title um i have heard from some people that are close to the situation that they're trying to convince the magic to change that in which case you know obviously you, you throw up the 32 for Shaq. You throw up the one for Penny, the one for T-Mac. I think you throw up the one, the, the 25 for Nick Anderson. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, um, you know, I, I, I've done a 180 on, on the, on the Jersey retirement thing uh, as well. When the, the magic for their 25th anniversary season started a hall of fame in, in the, um, in yeah. the concourse area. It's, it's really, it's a really nice gesture. I do think the magic need to do better about honoring their history. And I, at the time I was like, you know, that's enough. Um, but now as we're seeing like an older gener a new generation of fans come in, I always like feel like these, these kids don't know how important Nick Anderson is to this franchise. And, and the last thing any magic fan should do is think uh, the first, the first thing they think of when they think of Nick Anderson should never be the finals. It should always the be, fi yeah. it should always yeah. be, he's the original magic player. He's still in the building. He still works for the team. Um, but he's the original magic player stole the ball from Michael Jordan you know, uh, like the greatest, the, the single, probably the single greatest individual play in magic history, um, which probably says more about Michael Jordan than anything else. But, um, but, um, but like my, my biggest fear and, and why I believe that, you know, the number 25 should be hanging in the rafters is that the magic need to make sure there is a constant reminder of their greats. Whenever you enter the building, it's easy to miss where the hall of fame is. I love the hall of fame idea. It's a great way to honor a, a lot more players, 
there is an upper echelon that needs to be honored. So I, I, I'm with you guys that, that, the, that the number one should be retired. Um, it should have been done already. 32 should be retired already. 25 should be retired already. Uh, and then when Dwight Howard retires, I think 12 should be up there pretty immediately. I'm, you know, I, I know there's some Magic fans who are starting to groundswell a little bit to bring Dwight home. I, I don't think that's the right move for this team, but, <laughs> I don't, but, I, 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 but I'm glad that we're at that point where where people just don't dismiss the idea out of hand, and it's you know there's some sentiment sentimentality to it. But back to Jonathan Isaac. That's that's a, that was a long aside, but um, back to Jonathan Isaac. Um, you know, there, there really isn't much of an update. He had a minor hamstring surgery um, or what the, the magic described as minor hamstring surgery. I don't know what minor hamstring surgery is. Um, a couple, uh, back toward uh, about a month ago now, um, you know, they said it was a little bit of a setback, but he should still be fully recovered. They, they, they seem, you know, the magic are very clear. They don't put timelines on things, but they seem to believe that he'll be ready for training camp, that he'll be ready to go for training camp. Um, I, I had some small hopes that he'd be able to get some practice runs in with the summer league team, if that's what he wanted to do. Um, but it doesn't look like he's going to be at that stage or maybe he will be, who knows the magic are super secretive with things. So um, obviously it's, it's been frustrating. Uh, the magic have not helped themselves with the lack of update on his progress. Um, I do agree with Jeff Weltman that the fact that Jonathan Isaac really hasn't played basketball in two years. Um, if, if you know his injury timeline, he suffered a lateral corner injury on January 1st, 2020, uh, the 20, yeah, 2020, um, that kept him out the whole rest of the season. Then the pandemic, it looked like he was getting, getting very close to coming back right around the time the pandemic hit. The pandemic hit, stops the season. He's not allowed, he, you know, he wasn't allowed in the building. He was one of the first people allowed back in the building when it opened back up um, because he was doing injury recovery. He continues his injury recovery. He goes into the bubble, practices with the team, plays, uh, plays the last um, scrimmage game against Denver, plays the first seeding round game, gets injured in the second seeding round game in August in August, 2020. And he's been out ever, ever since. Um, so um, obviously, so again, I do agree with Jeff Weldon. He hasn't played in two years now. So I, I agree with the slow ramp up, making sure that he checks every box. So you don't have a reoccurrence of an injury or any re-injuries. Obviously there's been uh, an actual setback now um, that you do have to be a little bit careful about. Um, when you, when he, when he, when he plays, you want him to play the same way that Markel Fultz did hits the ground running, doesn't feel like he's missed a beat. He's almost over-ready and over-cautious. The Magic aren't trying to win games right now anyway. There's no reason to rush him back. The investment is in having him be on the floor and playing. They've covered themselves a little bit with his contract structure. Um, but the idea is, hey, we're, we're willing to wait. Um, you know, it's frustrating. It sucks. We, I, I'm sure Isaac's frustrated. I'm sure he's a little bored. He, he wants to be out there too. And so it's just a matter of when he gets the clearance to play, he's going to play. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. yeah, I want to see him play. I was yeah. a fan of his. Yeah. Uh, my question is, you're you're the GM, okay? Well, and, and I know everybody's got their ideas and opinions, but I want to know what Philip thinks, what the Orlando Magic should do with their draft picks, first round, second round, and what they should do with their roster in order to be playoff bound uh, coming up this next season. Yeah, so my goal there is is it might change a little bit depending on my goal. Um, look, I, I'm I'm still at the point where my pick for who I want to take with the number one pick changes hourly. Um, right. I see some new piece of information or I watch some new tape and I get really excited about something and I think, well, maybe we need this instead of that or or whatever. Um, but I will I will stick with what I wrote in my mock in my mock draft that I posted earlier today. Um, I'm going to take Jabari Smith with the first pick in the draft. Um, again, I, I think the upside is there that he could be a little bit more. I think, you know, you can kind of ease him in a little bit. The magic have some other guys that can, that can work around him. His three point shooting is really, really important and, and really, really good. And so I do think that the magic, um, I do think that the magic do, um, that, that the magic do get a lot out of him. And again, he's, to me, he's just, I think the safe, honest again, the safest pick. I think he will give you something and something at a very, very high level. But you know, you could convince me of the other two guys too. Um, you know, you know, Chet. There's really good arguments for Chet Holmgren. He is a really, you know, to win in this league too. You need unique players. You need guys that force the defense to change what they're doing and 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 do something different. And and Chet Holmgren, I think, does that. Uh, Three point shooting big with his fluidity, with his shot blocking, with his defense, with his mobility. 
it's really tough to find. And, and you can build a team around that. You can find ways to get the most out of them. I think Wendell Carter would really help him as, with his ability to guard uh, center, to guard the bigger centers right now. So you, you'd be able to ease him in and find a spot for him. You're seeing a lot more teams go to two big lineups anyway, as long as both of them can shoot. So, you know, I don't think you'd be at a disadvantage, even if you got to matchup issues in the playoffs. Um, you know, again, it's just a question of, can you add, the, add that muscle? And honestly, like, I don't think Paolo Bancaro is a bad pick either here. I think Paolo I agree. Uh, to me is the best kind of one-on-one scorer. And, you know, the one thing the magic have not had in a very, very long time is a wing player that they can give the ball to, and he can just go get a bucket. Um, and you watch these, and I'm watching these playoffs just like you guys are. At the end of these games, it was the problem for the 09 Magic. It was the problem for the 2010 Magic. At the end of these games, you need a guy, not a center, that you can give the ball to. He can isolate, or when the play breaks down, he can go just get you a basket. Um, you know, my favorite Magic stat nugget that I actually really hate, um, outside of Nikola Vucevic. Um, the Magic have not had a 20, so the so outside of center, so a non-center, the Magic have only had, I think, four players score 20 points per game or more um, as, that, that were not center. So you take out Shaq, you take out Dwight, you take out Nikola Vucevic. Um, they are Nick Anderson, uh, Penny Hardaway, Tracy McGrady, and Steve Francis. Steve Francis was the last non-center to average 20 points per Whoa. game for a season wow. in Magic history back in 2005. There are a couple wow. who got close. Hito Turklu got 19.9 one year. Jameer Nelson had 19.9 in 2009. There are a couple that got close, but, you know, in a league that is all about scoring, the Magic have been about defense for a long time. They have not had guys who could just go, could go, could go score 40 points. I mean, Victor Oladipo had a straight 40-point game here and there. Uh, you know, Vince Carter had that one 48-point game, I think it was, in 2010. They've never, they haven't had dynamic scores Um Oh, that's what that's uh that's that's a fun that's a fun uh Woj bomb right there. Um I was about to say I was about to bring it up, yeah. <laughs> um they haven't they haven't had so break news breaks, man. They haven't had oh, yeah. a guy, they haven't had a guy that can just go get a bucket. And so I I think I think there's I mean I before the lottery, before the act before the magic are actually sitting in the chair, I was taking Paolo number one in, in, a, in a lot of my mock drafts because it was just like I just need a guy that can go I I, I want to build around a guy that can get me a bucket at the end of the day, but I've been kind of convinced off that. I've kind of cooled on on that idea a little bit. Yeah. So what Philip was referencing uh, for those who are going to catch this later, we're recording as Woj reports the news that ESPN NBA draft analyst Mike Schmitz is finalized to get a deal to become an assistant general manager with the Portland Trailblazers. So, wow, that's that's big news to drop on a Thursday. So during um, draft season at that. During draft, we need, we need Mike. We need Mike Schmitz at least through the draft. Can they start? Can they start right. on July first? Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I have it up here. Uh, one of the names that really jumped out to me that I, when I was looking at tankathons, I know there's a lot. There's a mixed bag of emotions with people with tankathon. But at 32, they have NC State's Terquavion Smith listed, and I don't know how many people have read up on what this kid did at the combine, but he really won a lot of people over. Um, he played on a really bad NC State team. He was very, very under-recruited, but had an awesome year in the ACC. Uh, was really kind of j- making him names for himself. This is a kid that's a freshman in the ACC, averaged nearly 19 points a game. I, I mean, if you get Jabari Smith, you get Traquavion Smith. Uh, that's no matter what you guys do at 35, like that's a hell of a draft. Yeah, yeah, and I have Traquavion Smith. I actually have Traquavion Smith going higher. I have him going in the first round, so. You know, the scoring ability is there. They're, they're, this this draft is, for those that, that you know, I'm still learning a little bit more about these guys at the back end of the first 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 round, but um, this draft, there is not a lot of separation between guys in the 20s and guys in the 30s. Right. Um, it, it is, it's not a particularly strong class. There's not a lot of shooting in this class. Um, but like you said, Dequavian Smith, um, I've watched a little bit of tape on him. I got to watch a little bit more. Really good, really good. Just getting downhill, getting to the basket. From what I've seen, good size for 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 guard for guard of his size. It's just a matter of can he score efficiently. Obviously at NC State, there's a lot of defensive attention on him. Can he hit threes? That uh, for every guard, that's going to be a huge question for them. Um, and and all that. The other guy that I really like, and I kind of skipped over him in my mock draft because I just got draft fatigue writing it all day. Um, I really like David Roddy from Colorado State as well. Me too. Really good small forward prospect. Obviously at a smaller school, but. Um, you know, from everything I saw, he checks a lot of boxes for a lot of teams out there. Yeah, I like him a lot too. He's a name that really kind of jumps out to me. Um, this last draft obviously was a good one for Orlando. Um, 
getting Jalen Suggs to drop in your lap when a lot of people really thought he was going to be taken in that top uh, by Toronto before. Obviously, Scotty Barnes ended up being awesome. So not a bad pick for the Raptors by any means. Um, and then, you know, because of some trade you guys made with some franchise, Franz Wagner dropped in your lap at eight. Man, I wonder if that franchise really could have used him this year. <laughs> yeah. But we'll never know. Yeah, never know. We'll never know. <laughs> By the way, I'm sure, like, you'd be amazed that Bulls fans are, like, really sick of Booch, and that blows my mind. Yeah. I I mean, I, I love Booch to death. Same. Greatest dude, greatest dude in the world. Um, it, that's, a, that's a tough spot for him. Like, Orlando... The way Steve Clifford built his offense was tailor-made to take advantage of everything Vooch does well and honestly hide a lot of what Vooch doesn't do well. Um, and, and I think Chicago really struggled to find that balance, especially with all the guys they added. I mean, obviously, Vooch, is that, Vooch had never played with a guy as good as Zach Levine. Adding DeMar DeRozan, I think that kind of just pushed him out to the perimeter a little bit too much. I didn't watch yeah. a ton of Chicago, but he was he was, he was was taking a lot of threes, and, and really his best three-pointers are trails, uh, picking pops from the floor space. It's not him as a spot up guy. And, 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 you know, obviously he ran plenty of pick and rolls, but like you still got to give him a healthy diet of post-ups and kind of traditional kind of short corner plays. And, you know, unfortunately Chicago, I think, I think, I mean, Chicago season derailed when, and Alex Caruso and Lonzo ball got hurt. Let's, let's be real. Um, yeah. That's, that's, that's what really killed their season. Uh, and so it wouldn't surprise me if the bulls are shopping the cold beach coach this off season. And, and I, that sucks for Vooch because he's the nicest dude in the world. Um, but, you know, I think, I think we understood in Orlando that that you had a ceiling when he was your center because his defense would get exposed in the playoffs. Yeah, it was really funny because like people were like Bulls fans were like I'm so sick of Wendell Carter, and now it's like, did we make a mistake trading Wendell Carter? <laughs> it's like, uh, whatever. Um, so this is about Franz and Suggs, obviously. And I know Suggs didn't have the, I mean, he didn't have the rookie year I thought he had, um, but still really like his upside. And Franz was better than I thought he'd be. Um, I thought for sure that he would not get past the Warriors. I was, I was surprised that Golden State left because, because, but like, I was skeptical of the Franz pick. I'll fully admit sure. I was skeptical of the Franz pick. So I was I, too. I was, I was skeptical of it, not because I didn't think he was a good player, it was because I felt like he was the kind of player that makes good teams better and would fit on bad teams. Like, uh, in, a, in an environment where there aren't good players around him, um, and you're asking him to kind of take on the ball a little bit more, I, I didn't think that he would be successful. And obviously, at Michigan, he didn't play that way. Um, the surprise was very quickly. We all understood that uh, not only, you know, does he make team that the team that he's on better just because he's a smart cutter, he's a good shooter. He just, he makes all the right decisions, but he can actually take over the ball a little bit more. He can, he can create a little bit. And again, he's just so smart um, that he knows when to, when to pass, you know, he doesn't try to do too much. And, and honestly, by the end of the season, we were all asking like, Hey, Force that drive. Do it, please. Just take more shots. Like be a little bit more assertive and aggressive. But he's just such a smart team player. And so, you know, I think that initial analysis was correct. If Golden State, pick, if Golden State picked up, he'd be playing right now. I mean, no offense to Jonathan yeah. Kaminga, who I think has had a really good season, has really thrived in that in that Warrior system. The Warriors would be a lot better with Franz Wagner out there, and, and Franz would be helping them win 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 a championship right now. I, I have no doubt about that. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, that, you know, that was kind of what I was like, but like just seeing what those two have brought, um, you know, I'm not going to compare Franz. I mean, Franz obviously had a really good year. This isn't like they, you know, when they got JJ Redick to be this like sniper, but like really in some ways, like he only had very few games where he scored less than double digits, uh, had some obviously big scoring games, just like, and you know, we're obviously, obviously everyone was surprised by how good he was his rookie year, but like, where do you see year two Franz Wagner? as Orlando grows and obviously has this big pick coming up. Yeah. I mean, I think the big, th the big development that we'll see from Franz is, you know, I think this year the magic did a really good job kind of just very narrowly defining his role. Like the goal was we want you to be really good at X, Y, and Z. And he was really, really good at X, Y, and Z. Yeah, he was. And they were like, we're not going to touch B or a this year. We're going to save that for later. We're going to see what you can do this year. And that, that was part of the frustration I think a lot of Magic fans had about the way that he developed. Um, next year, I think the Magic can put the ball in his hands a lot more. Um, I think that they will run pick and rolls for him. I think they will they will challenge him to, you know, they probably challenged him before the offseason started. We want you to work on your pick and roll ball handling, on your pick and roll reads, on your ability to, to work in the pick and rolls. 
so that we can put the ball in your hands a lot more. Um, my big thing for him, develop a two dribble pull up. I think he took less than 20, 20 mid range field goal attempts this season. Everything that he shot was either at the rim in the paint or beyond the three point line. He did not take any pull up jumpers and wow. mid range jumpers are the providence of the stars. I, I, I call it the providence of the stars. Um, Franz Wagner's earned the right to take mid-range jumpers, and, and I believe he can be really efficient as a mid-range jump shooter. So my big thing for him, if I could pick one thing for him to work on this offseason, a little two-dribble pull-up. Just take a two-dribble pull-up because he's so good already at keeping guys on his hip and keeping them off balance so that he can explode to the basket or reset and go back out to the three-point line. He, just, he had a couple of just incredible setback threes that just caught the defense completely off, completely off balance. If he can develop a little, little pull-up jumper, on top of that, that there, no one's going to be able to stop him. You're going to have to commit two to him to get the ball out of his hands. And and that's that's really kind of what's next for him is like, okay, you, you understand how to do a lot of things. Add this next element to your game. And all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're you know, I wouldn't say that he's necessarily going to be like a super duper star, um, but he's going to be able to, to, to do a lot more and be a big time scorer in this league. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, man, uh, I think we, you know, Ben, did you have any other questions you want to get to? No, no, I, we hit them all. Yeah. I do want to ask you this last one. Okay. So I'm probably the wrong person about this because I dream of living in Orlando. Um, it's like, I tell my wife just about weekly that I want to move there. Um, Disney world's my favorite place in the universe. So I, you know, I go yearly. Um, I proposed there. I had my honeymoon there. Like, you know, it's, it's my yeah, place. Yeah. Yeah. Why does it surprise you that it's so hard to get like bigger name NBA players to want to live in central Florida? Um, I think a big chunk of it is nobody knows or goes to Orlando outside the parks. Um, True. You know, um, I, I think, I think I, 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 and I'm a lifelong Orlando resident. I've seen the city from, you know, grow over the last 20, 25 years or for my, you know, I'm 33 years old. So my, my whole life, it, it's been just nothing but growth. Um, I, I think Orlando just, people don't experience Orlando. Um, they, you know, they come through the perception of Orlando is it's a Disney town. Um, you know, I think the fan base, I think there's good fans here. I, I really love magic fans. I love the magic fan community. Um, but I, you know, I, it's hard to deny that a lot of fans in this city moved from other cities were fans of other teams and you know look it happened a lot this year it was a it was a constant storyline uh, and 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 the magic to me have lost a generation of fans by being bad for 10 years um they get outdrawn in their own building sometimes so i think there's this perception that you know orlando doesn't have its own identity and, and i would agree with this honestly that i think one of the things that's really happened over the last decade with orlando and again this is a big missed opportunity by the magic for, for being bad for for that long or for being kind of irrelevant for that long. Um, Orlando's really started to try and develop its own identity. Um, UCF is the big university here. It's got one of the largest enrollments. A lot of those students are staying in town now. Um, if you go to an Orlando City soccer game, um, the environment there is like a college football environment. It's it's loud, it's passionate. There's people who love this, who love this city and love what the city's about. Um, you know, not to get not to get into politics here, but Orlando is probably the most liberal city in the state at this point. Um, you know, it's very welcoming and open to uh, to, to everyone, um, to, to be perfectly honest. It is really a, a crossroads and a, and a melting pot um, for this state as, as, as much, you know, Miami is too, obviously with, with a lot of the, a lot of the, the Central American, you know, Caribbean American, uh, Hispanic, uh, Hispanic population there. Orlando's, Orlando's got a lot of the same elements and it's just a very welcoming and, and, and exciting and young community. But because it's young, it just hasn't established an identity. And I don't think, especially people nationwide, understand that about Orlando. Because when you come to Orlando, you, you don't come downtown. You don't, you know, you go to the parks. And the parks, I love the parks. Disney's fantastic. I'm a, I'm a universal annual pass holder. Give, I'll give them their shout, their shout out too. Um, I love the parks. They're a lot of fun. But that's not Orlando. Um, and so I think for a lot of people, it's, trying to convince people to, to visit Orlando, to visit the real Orlando and, and, and learn a little bit more about the city and, and, and the city's beginning to, to diversify. It's trying to be a place that people stay. And the more they do that as the team gets better, because I feel, still think the magic are the flagship team in, in this, in the city, um, as good as Orlando city has been, it, it's soccer. Um, you know, soccer is not for everyone. I love soccer. I love Orlando city, um, but it's soccer. 
Um, you know, it's still a little bit of a college football town, but among pro sports, the Orlando Magic are still the, the flat, the, the tent pole team. And when they get good, you're going to see the Amway Center really, really rocking. And I think that's when Orlando is going to start to shine and people are going to start looking at Orlando a little bit differently and say like, huh, that place was, was really exciting. What they've got here is really, really exciting. I'm going to go, I'm going to check the city out a little bit, take a little bit of a tour of the city and really understand what's going on here and why uh, Orlando is, Orlando's quickly become uh, uh, one of the growing, uh, one of the really growing metropolises here in, in the state of Florida. Awesome. Yeah. It's really good insight. Awesome. So I appreciate that. Uh, well, man, uh, this is so awesome. Thank you so much for taking just a little over 50 minutes to hang out and talk with us. Um, surprisingly, had you on the show and did not talk about Penny Hardaway once, my favorite player of all time. Ask away, man. Penny's the best. My favorite player ever. <laughs> ever. Man. Like, yeah, literally, like, that's like, that's my guy. So I cover the University of Cincinnati basketball program. So whenever Memphis is in town, I'm like, always break out my Penny shoes for that game. Just, you know. Respect. Oh, we love, we love, we love when Penny comes to Orlando with uh, with Memphis too. Like it's it's yeah. it's 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 weird when when he's on the other on the other sideline. But um, you know, like hey, the Magic supposedly went after Penny last year uh, yeah. for the head coaching job. I was not surprised that he decided to stay in stay at, at Memphis despite all the uh, despite his clear disdain for the NCAA and its stupid rules. Um, mm-hmm. and and that that is true. Their rules are stupid. Um. But, uh, but you know, Penny, I think Penny did a great job coaching Memphis and, and, and you know, I think his time will come to be in the NBA at some point whenever he's ready. Yeah, I did too. And I also did not bring out to mention that the classic Orlando Magic jerseys are timeless. They can fit in any generation, bring them back, wear them forever. They're like the Yankees pinstripes. They're, they will always fit in always. So just, just bring them back. None of this orange. Now that the Magic have the number one pick, you know, on the orange, those jerseys they wore last year would have looked a hundred thousand percent better in blue. I'm I'm ready for the orange to go away too. Yeah. Um, but now that the Magic have the number one pick, the last time they got the number one pick, they changed their jerseys like two years later. So this is probably a there's probably going to be a brand change, a little bit of a brand shift or adjustment coming up here for the Magic. Would not be surprised if uh, a new jersey that's a little bit more traditional pinstripe. They obviously can't go all the way back to the original pinstripes, but. Um, would not surprise me if uh, they're they're starting to think like, how do we remake the image of this franchise now that we have a number one pick? That's what the Bengals did. Look, they played in the Super Bowl. Exactly. So, yeah, you know, it works. <laughs> Very it true. Works. Very true. Yeah. Well, Philip, you've been awesome. Thank you so much, man. And before we get out of here, please take a second to shout out where people can find your work, your you know, social media if they want to interact with you. Please take it. The floor is yours, man. Yeah, a lot of places. So the main place, if you want to read my written work, is on orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow me there on Twitter at omagicdaily. I try to respond to everything that I can. So if you make a smart, if you make, as long as it's not like something that I just, you know, as long as it's not something stupid, I'll, I'll, I'll respond for the most part. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. That's P-H-I-L-I-P-R-R underscore omd. And you can listen to my podcast, of course, at Locked On Magic wherever you download podcasts. Awesome. Well, thank you, man. Uh, we'll have to do this again really soon. It won't be another five years or so. We'll, we'll probably be previewing a playoff series next next year when when the, when the Magic are the what? Probably play. We hope, hope the Magic are the six seed. Bulls are three seed. Does that sound good? Sounds wonderful. Sounds wonderful. I'm all for it, man. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. We'll do this again soon, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight's episode. On behalf of Ben, Sean, and Josh, have a great week, and we'll see you next week.